it was actually quite nice having had that conversation just before, because obviously as a new parent, when your baby is more grisly or you're crying more, or you can't seem to, they don't seem as happy and relaxed, your first reaction is, is there something, do you think we should take him to the doctor? You're immediately sort of worried that there might be actually something wrong, but it was quite nice having had that conversation. And also on the Parent Sense app, it was telling me that I could expect a growth spurt on this week for the feeding stage and that was also quite comforting because he was always wanting to be on the boob and he was just really grisly he was waking up at one point he was waking up nearly every hour in the night welcome to sense by meg fora the podcast that's brought to you by parent sense the app that takes guesswork out of parenting If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Fora, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the Parent Sense app, and catch Meg here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back. I'm Meg Fora, and I'm delighted to be your host as we journey with new parents through the joys and questions that are part and parcel of the first year of parenting. And this week, we welcome back Cass with her three-week-old little Max. Hi, Cass. So good to get our weekly catch-up in. How was this week with our precious boy? Give us some of the highlights. Oh, highlight. <laughs> I was just going to say it's been probably the trickiest week, but not, bless him, not his fault. So the highlights were his grandparents. So my husband's parents came over to see him and meet him. And so we had a wonderful uh, long weekend with them and he went to the zoo. I, he slept the whole way through. So I, <laughs> I, I think that means he enjoyed it. I'm not sure. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, he has, he is a really good baby. And one thing I've learned this week is that I think it's been, well, my husband and I both think it's been a trickier week and he's been trickier, but everybody around us thinks he's angelic. (laughs) So I'm really nervous about having another child now because our version of of, of Max when he's not doing so well is apparently most people's version of their child being really, really good. So, but no, this week has been, certainly the nights have been really quite tricky. Yeah. So yeah, that. But generally speaking, he he's fine. He he does sleep a lot, but he has been a bit grisly at nights. We've been, I've been up a lot more because, of course, oh. I'm breastfeeding, so it's on me. <laughs> and then you get tired. So it's quite interesting because last week when we were chatting, we spoke about there was this honeymoon phase where babies, you know, have had, had all that deep pressure from the end of pregnancy and. I remember I I said to you that generally that tends to wear off between 10 and 14 days. And it sounds like you've experienced that. Yeah. I mean, it it was actually quite nice having had that conversation just before because it, obviously as a new parent, when your baby is more grisly or you're crying more or you can't seem to, they don't seem as happy and relaxed, your first reaction is, is there something, do you think we should take him to the doctor? You're immediately sort of worried that, there might be actually something wrong, but it was quite nice having had that conversation. And also on the Parent Sense app, it was telling me that I could expect a growth spurt on this week for the feeding stage. And that was also quite comforting because he was always wanting to be on the boob and he was just really grisly. He was waking up 
at one point he was waking up nearly every hour in the night and I just thought you can't you can't be hungry you just can't be this is not so his pattern was he would do a sort of three or four hour stretch when he was first put down and then from sort of midnight to wake up time it was about every hour and so and that was quite exhausting because Mm -hmm. I then got to the point where I was like okay it's eight o'clock I've got to go to bed and sleep right now because otherwise I don't get any sleep but he last night we seemed to turn a corner last night he went back to waking up he woke up three times between um 7 30 and 7 so not bad at all which isn't bad before he was actually waking up twice so we still got work to do but (laughs) but he it was a huge improvement he was having much longer sleeps but having that comfort that particularly knowing that there was a growth spurt and understanding what that meant and how that meant he would be on wanting a lot more feeding. He was being a little bit more sicky as well, but he's been on medicine for his oral thrush. I think I mentioned last week that he had oral thrush and we started him on his medication last week. So, you know, that as well, I think that can make, sometimes medicine can make their tummies, one of the sort of mild side effects is a bit Mm. of an upset tummy. Plus he was eating a huge amount. So so all of those things happened at the same time. Yeah. And he just seems to make these, I was going to ask you about their noises because he seems to make these just, he's really frustrated. His noise is often... No sort of angelic cooing. I'm waiting for that. <laughs> but he just sort of makes these <laughs> noises a lot. So is that normal? <laughs> yes, no, that's absolutely normal. So it actually takes them time to be able to coordinate to make the cooing sounds. And that usually only happens after they've smiled. So smiling is your first social, ma- well, your first social milestone is eye contact, which is when, you know, that kind of falling in love, staring into your eyes with no smiles. And then the second social milestone is smiling, which will happen for most babies at six weeks. In fact, I would say 99% of babies, it happens at six weeks, although some do do it a little earlier. So you'll have to keep us posted as to when Max decides to give you a little bit of a smile. And then the third social milestone is cooing, and that only happens after smiling. So that's kind of closer to eight to 10 weeks that they actually start to be able to coordinate. So at this stage, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of grunts and, and, and more wine, and moaning sounds rather than actual cooing it takes them time to coordinate that one yeah because he's very strong and you combine that strength of those noises mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm bringing up the Incredible Hulk or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I wanted to give you a little tip about nighttime that I think is very useful something that I did with my own children and in fact a, a mum I'm working with at the moment I suggested it to her and she said it was probably the biggest thing that w- was a game changer and that was that you know I don't believe in both mum and dad being up through the night because otherwise you're two sleep deprived parents and that's like nobody needs that because you know exactly how exhausting it is when you're doing when you're on hourly shifts so my suggestion is for breastfed babies is that uh, mum does everything through until 4 a.m so dad actually gets like a really solid night stretch which like sometimes you want to like just hit them over the head because <laughs> why are they so lucky that they get that but at 4 a.m to do a switch and what that switch is is that dad takes over everything from 4 until 8 a.m allowing mum to sleep obviously with exclusion of, of feed so let's say 
max fed at four, then and the next feed is due at let's say um, seven, you would then he would then actually look after him, um, soothe him if he needed to be soothed, change his nappy, do absolutely everything, play with him or whatever needed to be done, and then would bring him in while you still asleep. Kind of you feed while you're lying down. He takes max out, changes a nappy, and you get to go all the way till eight. And what I find is that if moms know that they've kind of got a four to eight stretch, they can do the nights because the nights are the nights are a killer. I mean that kind of the fourth feed of the night where you just feel like you've put them down five minutes ago. Like your blood turns cold. It's an awful feeling. And so just knowing that actually I'm going to get a four-hour stretch in the early hours of the morning is very important. Now, if dads are going off to work at seven, let's say, then it can be from from three until seven. It it just needs to be a stretch that mom actually just knows that she can kind of hang her hat on that, that she will be able to get that good stretch. And that tends to help a little bit with just – just the mood um, and the, almost like the disillusionment when they're st- waking repeatedly through the night. Yeah, and I have to say, Alex is very good. He does it, he does offer, and and usually it is around actually the four thirty five mark. So that that he tends to do exactly that and take over. And when Max wakes up in the morning, Alex will take him to get him dressed and change him. That's sort the of thing, and bring him back to me in bed, and then brings me breakfast in bed so, oh. while I'm feeding. So I am very lucky on that front. He's being a star. He, <laughs> good dad. He is. But the, what I was going to say actually, it, because I had this week. I had a bit of a, a scare for myself, which I'd done a lot of reading about, you know, how you must massage your boobs and it's really important. And, you know, even though, even if your baby is feeding a lot, you still got to keep that sort of hand massage up. And before I had Max, I was like, yes, I will do that. And then since I've had him, I've been really lax on that. And on Friday, I was out and I suddenly started physically shaking and shivering. Mm. And I was actually at the hairdressers having a blow dry. And um, lucky. <laughs> yeah, with, with Max on boob, I have to be honest. <laughs> but luckily, my, my hairdressers are very breastfeeding open. And I start, and my hairdresser actually said to me, are you shaking? And the aircon wasn't on, the, they, she wasn't cold. They actually took my temperature because of COVID, they have a thermometer that they take and they took my temperature. It wasn't, I didn't have a, a fever or anything, but I was, Alex came to pick me up and I was uncontrollably shaking. I got in the car, I put heaters on, seat, uh, the heat seat, the seat heater. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and I just couldn't start going into a hot bath. I couldn't stop shaking. And I was really scared because I also, at the same time, had quite a um, pain, a really sharp ache in my left boob. And I knew about mastitis and I was thinking, oh gosh, anyway, I called maternity. They were absolutely fantastic and gave me a few tips. And I just got, when I finally could bring myself to get out of the bath, knowing I was still going to be physically shaking and cold. And I got wrapped up into bed. Alex kind of brought me all the warmest clothes I had and got me into bed. And I slept for about three hours, put a hot flannel on my boob and I massaged. But it was a real wake up call to me that, you know, I do need to just take the time when I am sitting watching TV or something like that, just to make sure I am moving things along, massaging um, and things like that. Because it was very scary. And it was one of those moments where suddenly, first time as a mum, I thought, I if I'm sick, there's a real problem here. If I have to go into hospital, I have to take my baby because he's reliant on me. And you know, suddenly mm-hmm. I was very aware of actually a lot of hurdles that being a mum with a baby that's completely dependent 
strongly came with. So I thought about it and I thought, you know, mum, there's those moments that are quite scary and to sort of just, yeah, it was something I just thought I'd share. I'm sure everyone has it at some point. Yeah. So look, mastitis, I mean, I, I don't think that you need to be completely vigilant about massaging the breast because if your baby's emptying the breasts, it's not too much of a problem. So, you know, f- first port of call is, you know, I think it's easy to become obsessed by things like, for instance, what if I don't do that? Am I going to get mastitis? So mastitis usually doesn't happen if little ones are draining the breasts, except if there's a duct that just gets a little bit, you know, kind of stuck. And you'll be able to feel that. It'll feel tender before you go as far as the chills. So you'll actually find that there's a spot on your breast where you can really feel that that's a tender spot. The chills obviously are, you know, when you've got a really bad confirmed mastitis, which I can't really explain why that would have happened to you. You know, you certainly obviously had a fever. You were very fatigued. Who knows how and why that happened? But I'm I'm doubting that it really was mastitis. No, I don't think it was mm. at all. Yeah. But it was just it, a wake up call. Yeah, that it, mm. that it can because yeah. I definitely had that pain and I had to really work with a hot flannel and massaging and it passed very quickly. The next morning or even that night, I woke up and I was absolutely fine. Mm. But I did just suddenly yeah. think. It, it, it's just, a, I think it was something I'd forgotten and was, wasn't being aware of. Um, and whether that is making sure that he's draining one breast before I move him to another one. Yeah. So ideally, I mean, ideally for breastfeeding, and you can share with us how you're doing it, but I, in, for me, the ideal way is to start off on the first breast and to let them empty it completely. So that for some babies can take seven minutes, like really short ones, you've got good milk established, they'll kind of pull off naturally, or it can go up to even 20 minutes of, of really draining that breast. And then usually what I recommend is to take the baby off, um, well, they'll usually come off themselves, burp them make sure they're wide awake again because we know how sleepy they are and then pop them onto the other breast and let them go as far as they want. Now, the first milk in a breast, as you know, is full milk, which is really watery and fluid. And that um, kind of takes care of their thirst. And then the hind milk is obviously our rich and creamy milk, which is really important. Now, for the rich and creamy milk, for the second breast, they'll get only a little bit of that and you'll have a whole lot left in your breast afterwards. Now, my suggestion actually, and it works quite well also to avoid mastitis or to avoid block ducts, is actually to express off the rest of that feed at the end of the feed. And the reason um, that I like to do that is it allows you to, first of all, tricks your body to think, oh, this baby's really hungry. I better produce more milk next time. So if you're having those, and most of us have a dip in our breast milk at like four or five in the afternoon because we're tired and it's the end of the day. And so it's kind of telling our breasts to make a little bit more. So that's the first reason why I like doing it. Second reason is that it really does help us clear out those ducts, particularly if we get babies who favor one side, like they always want to start on the right, for instance. So that would be definitely to, you know, to assist with that. And the third and very big reason why I like to kind of take off the hind milk off the second breast is that you can then pop it in the fridge as a top-up bottle for later in the day or freeze it for bottles when you need when when you do need to be able to get out or maybe go and have your hair done uh-huh. or do, do a job interview or whatever it is, you know. So and it just allows you to start up that bank. So I think and you know, using a good expressing breast expressor is very important. Do you have a breast pump? It's actually it was shipped yesterday. They are we they say that they didn't have any stock, but we think they may have forgotten. But yeah. it was shipped yesterday and I've been using the hacker as well for letdown, which I get a lot of. So we're building up a, a small bank and I'll, we're actually gonna start as soon as the pump arrives, which I think should be tomorrow, we're going to start 
we're going to start trying to introduce a bottle with Alex. We've got the Medela ones that that mimic the breast. So they, I think they've been voted the one best sort of to work with breastfeeding because they don't, the baby has to suck to get the milk. It's not yes. like other bottles where I think it just flows constantly. So we're going to try that and introduce because then also in line with what you're saying about the night, you know, it means that from 4am Alex can actually do the feed do as well. One. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start to introduce that mm. now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it's great that you're getting a pump. I personally think it's the most important um, piece of equipment that you buy when you get a baby. I think it's more important than the pram or the stroller or, or anything, in fact, because I, I really do believe in, in expressing for a number of reasons. It also gets your breasts used to it so that it, in the event that you did have a mastitis and ended up in hospital, you can express. One of the things that moms should know is that, you know, when you express, you actually get a lot less than when your baby's feeding because sometimes it's a freak out. You, you, you start to feed and you start to express and you're getting like 40 mils. I know in your case, it probably won't be so, but because, because you're getting that on letdown. Yeah. But certainly for most moms, like you can start off on, on, on expressing it'll be 40 mils. And you think, Oh my goodness, no one of my babies crying. They're hungry, but actually they're not hungry. They're just a much more efficient. They have a much more efficient suck to get the milk out. So don't worry with how much you get the first few times. I do like the idea of expressing off the, the hind milk mm-hmm. as opposed to with the hacker, what you're doing is you're getting the full milk because that full milk is very watery and actually it, it's, it's, it's high in sugars. And can increase a, it can increase a little bit of lactose intolerance, which, by the way, lactose intolerance in early childhood, in early infancy, is utterly normal. So we know when, when people freak out and they go, "Oh, my baby's got lactose intolerance," well, human milk or any animal milk has lactose in it. And the reason that babies have frothy breastfed baby poos is because um, that the high sugars and the which is the lactose in the milk, there isn't enough lactase or the lactase enzyme in the in the baby's gut in the early days to actually break down all of that milk sugar. And so you get lactose intolerance of early infancy, which is a totally normal condition. It is not a pathology. It doesn't mean you must stop breastfeeding. It's it's completely normal. But it is part of why they can have kind of slightly niggly farty poos. Um, because they've, you know, they've got lactose intolerance. Yeah. So that's why, just going back to what I was saying, is that that's why I like the hind milk to be expressed more than the full milk, because I think that it, it's just better, especially if you're using it as a top up bottle just before bedtime. It, it then is better to have all that lovely hind milk go in than, than all the full milk. So, yeah. The four milk that we've got from the hacker, as I say, in some cases I've so it has been about forty to fifty mils at a time, wow. <laughs> um, possibly more in some yeah. cases. That's in the freezer at the moment. Is it is it still worth giving him that? Yes. So, or should we wait for the yeah. and just wait for the hind milk and actually be just giving him that? So two things I just want to mention. I'm sure a lot of people don't know what a hacker is. So a, a hacker is a little silicon kind of almost like a jar-like vessel that you attach to the breast and you you, you squeeze it in and you and you start a, a vacuum almost that kind of pulls out the hind milk. And look, I think that I think it's absolutely fine to offer that to him. I would probably mix it. So if you're getting some hind milk bottles and you've got some full milk bottles, then I would try and mix it up a little bit. I wouldn't be giving him full bottle feeds just of of full milk. It's you know no. it just isn't creamy enough. It's not going to sustain him. So if you end up going out and Alex is just left with a whole lot of full milk. It's not going to satisfy um, Max at all for long. So you do want a good mix of the hind milk as well. So, you know, I would say almost, you know, kind of maybe, you know, if you've got the hacker going during the day and you're expressing off the hind milk as well, you can actually keep adding it to the same bottle and then just pop it in the freezer that evening if, if you're going to freeze it. 
So, but but by all means, I think it is worthwhile trying and you know and and seeing whether or not Alex can start to do those occasional feeds. Yeah, this may be a really stupid question, but if I've got four milk from last week in the freezer that was frozen straight away, and then my pump arrives and I get some hind milk, yeah, uh, can I? Is it? I, I feel like my gut's telling me I shouldn't, but maybe I'm wrong. If the defrosted four milk from last week should not be mixed with the fresh hind milk from say this week or is that not the case no i think you you definitely you can mix them but what i wouldn't do is i wouldn't put the hind milk on top of the four milk that's been frozen for a week because that hind milk is going to be of a different temperature and it might just defrost and, and you know we don't ever want to refreeze breast milk so defrosting breast milk is fine so what i would suggest you do is maybe on a day where you've got some hind milk that has come off, I would then defrost one of the full milk bottles and then just add the hind milk into it. And that would produce a really nice feed for him. Okay, perfect. That's great. Yeah. Any other questions for the week? I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, the one was his noise uh, <laughs> because it did sound quite furious. And uh, yeah, he, I guess I've spoken about the, the most of the things and, and the fact that he is a little bit more sicky. I'm Mm. That is because is that because he was eating a lot more because he suddenly just in the last week was sick and he hadn't really been sick before and so yeah. now you know we, and, and not concerning amounts but something that we hadn't mm. noticed before and now it's happening is that part of the growth spurt is that the antibiotics is that should I be going to the doctor <laughs> yeah okay great question so let's talk a little bit about reflux so milk curds that come up from the tummy into the esophagus is called reflux or gastroesophageal reflux and it's actually incredibly normal I would say almost 80% of babies have a form of reflux for some of them it's just that it comes up and they swallow it back down and actually I happen to know that Max does that because the day I was holding him, I could see him swallowing. So you can actually watch your babies just after a feed and you can actually see them. They kind of pause and then they quickly swallow and that nothing has actually come up, but a little bit of milk has come back up and they've, they've swallowed it back down. And that's called benign reflux. And it's really is, you know, it's all silent reflux and it just kind of comes up and down and no problem. Your more overt reflux where, or positing where the milk curds actually come mm. out again, happens in a large proportion of babies, certainly not as many as, as the full proportion of babies have reflux, but I would say maybe 50% of babies have some milk come up. The fact that it increased for Max says to me, probably you were feeding potentially a little bit more frequently than you had been before. He was getting more in. You've got incredibly good flow, obviously. And so then if they literally can't hold it all in, a little bit will come out. And that's also never an issue. So when do we get worried and when should we see a doctor? So the first one is if if it's copious amounts of of positing or a very big change in positing. So a baby who never positive, who's now suddenly doing a projectile vomit after a meal is definitely something that needs to be checked out. So that would be the first thing. And then the other thing is that if your baby becomes incredibly niggly after a feed and these babies often will only start to then do 15 minute cat naps. So instead of sleeping that lovely long 45 minutes, hour and a half, three hours, they'll actually wake up after 15 minutes day and night and they become increasingly more and more um, irritable and fussy. And that can in, um, indicate an esophagitis. So obviously reflux that comes out of the tummy is mixed in with your stomach acids. And as that mixture comes up the esophagus, whether it's a benign or silent reflux or whether it is an overt reflux posset, it comes up through the esophagus, uh, esophagus and causes a, an esophagitis, which is a little irritation, like a little blister on the esophagus, which is very painful because the next time the acid comes up, it burns there. Mm-hmm. And so those babies have what's been called GER or GORE 
a gastro a, a, esophageal reflux, and they do need to be seen by a doctor, particularly if they're starting to cough as well. So, you know, we, we get concerned if they're coughing because it can be lung infections. We get concerned if they're crying too much, and we get concerned if they're losing weight. Those are three things when when we kind of flag reflux. You know, the coughing, the crying, a huge amount, and then obviously the the losing weight. What's quite interesting, and you know, you you we've you've attended one of my lectures on the baby sensory personalities, and we'll we definitely talk about those in one of our, our um, podcasts together. But what ha- tends to happen is that babies with very high thresholds, like our settled babies and our social butterflies, they tend to under-respond to reflex because they under-respond to most sensory information. So even if the, you know, even if the little bit of, of kind of milk is coming up, or even if they've got a little bit of esophagitis, they can kind of ignore it. Whereas your sensitive babies and your slow to warm up babies they tend to overreact even when it's not bad. And so, you know, I mean, I've seen babies who are a slow to warm up where just a little bit of benign reflex, it's not burning, or a little bit of a pus that makes them cry just because it's a change, because they don't like change. Whereas with your settled babies who've got high thresholds, which I, which, I mean, I think that Max probably does, yeah. <laughs> he, might, he might actually be having quite a bothersome time with reflex, but he actually isn't even bothered by it. He just goes on. So. Yeah. Sometimes a, a large amount will come out, and he, I don't know. I just look at him, and he's just got it dribbling from the side <laughs> of his mouth, but, and, but there's been no reaction from him whatsoever. So yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's definitely. We are so like he's definitely a, a settled baby, and you know, I do I do wonder if part of that is attributed to the fact that his first introduction into the world was utter chaos at the hospital. And so anything since then, he's just thinks life's yeah. very chilled. Well, I would say actually not. So there's two reasons why little ones become more sensitive, which he's not. The one is because they've got it genetically. So dad or mom are potentially very wired, very low threshold people, you know, more sensitive on a sensory level. That's number one. And number two is, Lots of interventions in the first 10 days in a hospital actually causes baby to be more sensitive. And that's, I mean, you can imagine. What would you have been like? (laughs) I know, I know. even more laid back. But I think the fact that he's a settled baby with a high threshold means that he was able to cope with what happened Mm. in the hospital because I know that he had tubes and wires and needles and interventions and things, a lumbar puncture. It had to have Mm. been painful in the early days. But the fact that he had a high threshold meant that he actually, it didn't disturb him as much as it would have. And it didn't change his threshold, which which is really lucky. Yeah, I have a I have a video of him there when they were giving because his birth him when he came back from hospital, the bottom of his feet were like pin cushions. He'd had so many needles in the bottom for them to take mm-hmm. bloods, and it was heartbreaking. But I've got a video of them taking the doing the heel prick at one point, and I'm videoing his face because there's just you hear the click of the needle going in and nothing on his oh, face at all. Sorry. He didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah, no. he definitely. Has a very, we're very, very lucky. He's got a very high threshold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we must definitely in a, in a future session pick up on the thresholds and pick up on the sensory personalities because there are ways that, you know, there, there are things to watch out for. There's wonderful things that you can do with him. And, but it is, I mean, I always say it is a huge blessing to have a settled baby. Uh, my second born was a settled baby. But I always say to moms of second babies, just don't boast because other moms <laughs> don't want to hear about it. <laughs> No, I know. I have to sort of whenever because a lot of my friends have had babies, yeah. and I do try. Sometimes I go a bit quiet when they're talking about yeah. theirs because I think oh, I just don't want to. Yeah. Sort of, it sounds like 
You're not having as good a time. (laughs) And you never know what happens next time around. But I think what's quite nice is to to have your questions come through because it does, these are questions that mums, whether they've got fussy babies or whether they've got settled babies, they will have these questions. So it's been really awesome chatting again, Kaz. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much and uh, look forward to next week as well. (laughs) I'm loving following Max's journey. So thanks for being with me. Cheers, Kaz. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.